Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. With a very velvety voice, I might add. <laughs> hey, hey, I got my mic all sorted now. We're you ready do. to go. You do. You do. So I was doing a podcast right before this one, and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm going into like my, my I got a four-step system for generating business like right now, and all of a sudden... I get a Facebook message from my neighbor, and they're like, hey, is our neighbor's house on fire? Oh, no. And I'm like, so I had to like stop that podcast. I ran outside. Like Every fire engine in Orange County, I think, is on my street right now. And we've oh got all gosh. this. Well, here's the funny part. We Well, yeah, it's funny to me. It's not my house. <laughs> but it's, it's <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, right. Um, they've been doing all this construction and stuff on our sidewalks and streets. And I guess one of those trucks backed into a power pole, knocking it over, which then made the power lines fall in the house and caught the house on fire. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. all I could think was, bro, you got a government job. You still aren't getting fired. <laughs> like, don't oh, even worry about man. it. You're good. You're good to go. Wow. That's so. crazy, man. I, know. I, I hate when my house catches on fire. I told my wife, I go, it smells like a barbecue in our neighborhood. I actually oh, think no. it smells quite nice. Oh, no. It does. <laughs> it does until the plastic starts burning. And then it's all fun and games till like, toxic fumes hit you. Well, the toxic fumes didn't get released. They brought out every 
uh, fire engine there is, but wow. I couldn't even see the fire damage. So whatever hey, it was, it, it helps to have big. a government job, man. That's a, that's the lesson we've learned from this. I think so. Hey, hey, like, oh, that guy works for the government. Fast. Get there. I'm like, that guy's still not getting fired. Don't even worry about it, bro. He must be on like payroll or something. He must he may, may, I mean, obviously they wanted that guy to be okay. I guess so. I, well, hey, I was a firefighter, man. I tell you what, the, uh, I've 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 inhaled some fumes, man. That's all I can tell you. Well, <laughs> let's okay. Moving right along, that didn't the, sound good, did it? it really, I was oh, like, man. I had first I had Obama and Clinton jokes coming in my head, and I was like, okay, we just need to keep moving. Just keep moving. I, uh, a- as you know, during our last podcast, when uh, the last time two weeks ago, the guy tried to drop the pot off and. Uh, <laughs> I I, I run outside. You know we didn't air that, right? I know. I know. Just you know this. Our listeners don't know. We're halfway through the podcast, and the pod gets dropped off at my house, and the the guy, he he tells me I have to sign this waiver because he's there earlier, and his wheel snaps off of this, what do they call them, like a a, a quadruped or these big giant like four-legged cranes that drop the pod off, and so anyway, so I get into it and I'm outside and I'm like, I'm like, my voice is pr- pretty raised and I'm a little adamant, like, no, this is wrong, man, you know, yada, yada. And so uh, I come back and I tell you, hey, can't do the podcast. Got to go deal with this. And uh, and I told the guy, I was like, hey, man, uh, you ain't going nowhere. Cause he's like, well, if you're not going to sign this waiver for the accident, and I'm like, dude, until you're done, like I'll sign it when you're done if you don't have another accident. But I'm like, I ain't signing nothing. And he goes, well, I got to go. I got other deliveries. <laughs> I look at him and I go, you're not going anywhere. And he kind of does a double take and he looks at me. And Pete knows I've been a, a bit on edge these days. And, uh, and I look at him and I go, no, you understand me. You're not getting in that truck. You're not going to. And I didn't threaten him with, you know, any kind of. <laughs> but that worked. He was like, okay. Oh, he called. I said, you, you call your boss back. You tell me you're going to be here for a while. And then um, the. Uh, what do you call it? Um, a reason that came up is I've been I've been having these kind of moments. I don't I don't know if there's like something wrong or if I just you know maybe I need a vacation. Maybe I'm due for my summer vacation. But I was at Disneyland, and did I tell this story? I, it didn't air if no. I did, but I I asked the guy. I said, "Hey, um, oh yeah, hey, hey, you told me." You told yeah, me. like like, hey, you know, like the the uh, the Columbus ship went by, and I was like, hey, to to one of the the young guys working there, hey, do you know the story about that? That that's the boat, right, where the the mooring snapped and a couple people died, and um, and he goes, yeah, I, you know, I uh, I know, I yeah, it is, but I don't really know much about it, and I'm like, oh, and uh, this guy walks over and he starts kind of grandstanding, you know. That's the kind of thing that some people around here don't really want to talk about. And, you know, like he's, he just starts grandstanding and waxing eloquent. And I'm standing there with my family, like, did you really just like grandstand in front of everyone here? Like, you know, how you can't ask about that and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, when you, when you get in the park and you go to the Hall of Presidents, they tell you up front, like if you go in the little museum, they're like, you can ask us any question. We won't volunteer in from it. But if we know, you know, we're, we're supposed to tell you. And so, you know, I'm sitting there and I, I, I wait until, you know, we go through the, the canoes, right? That was the first like 
It was the canoe ride. Nothing good can come of that, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody knows, don't ever ride the canoe ride. And uh, if you guys don't know, you're not actually rowing the canoes. Um, that, that's the big joke that they play on you. They keep telling you how important it is to row. And things on a total track. You're not rowing the thing. And uh, it's on like a little roller, kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean. Keeps you going at a nice little speed. and They just fool you. So I just sit there on the canoes and just look at her. And she goes, are you going to make everyone else do all the work? And I go, do you want me to tell the secret? <laughs> so anyways. Was the, that the uh, same trip? It was the same trip, yeah. You, and, you really uh, were on edge. I was salty. I'm telling you, I was salty. And, uh, and so, <laughs> of course, this guy had made me a little, little angry. So anyways, we get out of the boat, and I, I go back to the dock, and you know everybody's putting something away. So I, I, I go find the dude. I'm like, hey, John, he's got a name tag. I'm like, we got to talk. So I tell him, I say, hey, dude, look, I was a firefighter, right, and a paramedic and an RN. I've seen a lot of death. And I said, so here's the thing, man. Next time you want to grandstand in front of someone's family about what a traumatic experience it is, I go, that was almost 20 years ago. Your friends need to be in therapy, man. Because that was the thing. I said, oh, are they here right now? And he goes, no, no, but they're in the park. And I said, oh. And uh, I said, but dude, don't do that in front of a, a, a dude's family. You know, you, you, you played the fool and by trying to make me look the fool. I go, you don't know who you're talking to. I go, there's a lot of people standing there that's seen a lot more death than your friends have. And I can talk about the things I've seen years on. And I would just say you, you don't really understand it because you've never been there and you've never seen it. And, um, and that was it. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've been a little salty recently. This is like my, my dashboard confessional, my, my, my podcast therapy. So I'm, I'm lying down on the sofa right now, Pete. And uh, I know what your response is going to be. What? <laughs> the, the good old uh, podcast, co- podcast advice, which is uh, suck it up, buttercup. Oh, I wish I had that on as a soundbite. That'd be perfect. Oh, that'd be good. But you know, is I, actually, hang- I'm too afraid to say uh, "suck it up, Buttercup" to you uh, as of late. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is the occasional "hang in there, kitty" meme. It just goes a long oh, way, man. Oh, dude, see, I still love it when I, I really like the surprise "hang in there, kitty" meme where. You don't even know it's coming, and then all of a sudden, I text you one, and it's like a decapitated <laughs> kitty holding on to a line, or you know, that's th- those are the ones that really do it for me. That's how you know your true friends is when you're going through stuff. You get you get to hang in there, kitty, and it's meant to be like things that old ladies send each other to make each other feel better with the with the cat hanging on the on the wire, and or the tree branch, the kitten. And uh, of course, we know it's totally sarcastic, and we're sending it back and forth in hard times. But I think uh, one of the best ones was when the cat's head was stuck in between the garage door, <laughs> and it was hanging there, kitty. You know the uh, the the limbs on that cat were strangely limp. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the beauty to me is someone was like, "This, this is a moment. I need to run back in the house and grab a camera." <laughs> You know, that cat's dead. And let's face it, this is going to make a great meme someday. I'm taking yeah, a picture yeah. of it. Yeah, at least I can cash in on a hang in there kitty meme. And by the way, there is a whole uh, universe of twisted hang in there kitty memes. But you which, didn't hear that from this podcast. This podcast is wholly professional. Which we've found many, many a time. 
There has been an exchange, shall we say? Um, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, Church Planner. I know you're here to be trained up in the ways of the Force, and yes, I am your Yoda, and he is your Ben Kenobi, and we're here for you. You must complete your uh, Jedi training. We will get back to the Dagobah system soon, but uh, sit tight for a little thing we like to call Smack Talk, which you've already been knee-deep in without realizing it. <laughs> you're knee-deep in the smack. That's all yeah, kind of, kind of like on uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, you know, Master Blaster, you know. I guess you'd be like, that? Are, are they doing another one? No. Hey, you know not. how we were talking about short jokes the other day? I, I guess I'd make you Blaster and me Master, huh? It'd be kind of <laughs> like, uh, no, you listen to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I remember us talking, not giving short jokes, but about the <laughs> phenomenon of short jokes. Yeah, I'm okay, actually. I'm okay on those. Oklahoma! (laughs) If people only understood that so far this episode has been all about us. Pretty much. (laughs) And telling our inside story. Do you have a bird, like, chirping in your house? What the heck? You know, everybody's asking me about the birds. Yes, there are my, my, so my garden has been going nuts with the birds because of all the rain that we've gotten. And so, you know, I put grass seed down. Wait, you mean bird seed really does sprout birds? (laughs) <laughs> Did I say bird seed or grass seed? You said grass seed, but I'm just thinking, you said because of all the rain. What's the rain got to do with birds? Well, dude, all, my garden's like amazing. Like I've seen, the other day I was looking out my window and I watched a bird like sitting on the fence just pluck this big old bug out of the air. It must have been like a June bug. Go over and knock its head on the fence a couple times like a snail and eat it. And it's just, it's been awesome, dude. I'm not a bird watcher. Bird watching bugs are the worst bugs on the planet. So I'm cool with that. Dude, they're freaky, man. How, how do they get in your shower? How do you That's not what I have know. them the other 11 months? Why, why is it all of a sudden in June they come out and it's like, I, I don't know what they do. And where are they hiding until, you know, you're sitting back watching TV? And all of a sudden, you hear this, like a helicopter in your room. And there's this giant June bug that pops out of nowhere. And my cat yesterday was like, woohoo! Jumps up off the ground, grabs that thing, and eats it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was nice. pretty rad. That's cool. I don't I know why. My so uh, so I started funny. two other podcasts. Yeah, tell me about them. Oh, well, I, I know. Oh, I'm do you not... want me to shut the door, though, for the birds? No, I, I say okay. leave the birds. You're enjoying that? You're being serenaded? I really want to hear the train when it goes by. So if you could, leave the door open. <laughs> this is Peyton Jones. I'm out on assignment, um, out in the wilds, uh, learning about church planning, stalking two church planners right now in their natural environment. Sorry, what are your two podcasts? Uh, well, th- thank you for asking. Uh <laughs> Uh, one, I actually, the one I was just recording right before this, uh, it actually has nothing to do with church planning at all. It's a contractor secret weapon. I'm, I'm uh, teaming up with my buddy Dave, who's been running it for years, and then he uh, kind of wanted to, to stop doing it. And I was like, hey, man, let's, 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 let's do it. Let's do it together, though. And he's an elder at his church. And, uh, and then the one that I really like, this is the one that if you're a true Pete Mitchell fan, and I don't think there's any of you out there. But if there was one, this would be the podcast you want to listen to. It's called the From Concealment Podcast. It hasn't launched yet. It is all about shooting guns. And I'm doing that with a church planner out in Ohio named Dan Sams. Nice. 
Yeah. You know, when you talk about that podcast, you have to say, you know, and I haven't fired it off yet, but. Uh, <laughs> she, she, what he did there? She, she. <laughs> That's rad, man. That's cool. Yeah. I told I, you, I was like, hey, I've had ninja stars and like yeah. this week we're going to discuss grappling hooks and climbing people's chimneys at night and how not to get caught and arrested. I'd be like, oh, dude, ninja podcast, let's go. Yeah, this it's this doesn't that have that. No, yeah. no, not so much. Not so much. Hey, by the way, uh, uh, talking about shooting, uh, I did a as you do on on ministry podcasts. I know, right, right. And then I suck all the pastors into shooting world, and <laughs> you have been doing that. It's a little therapeutic for some of these guys, isn't it? It really is. Some of them are like, I'm not going to say who, but I was out with one, and he's like, I really needed that. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, you could actually do like a rad weekend away for pastors. Just like, hey, come on out, let's 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 go out and you know shoot and swig some beer and you know kind of kind of create like you, a little retreat I, weekend. I I know drinking the beer. I know no you the told beer. me that. Can't go to islands anymore. Like all these years working for the Baptists, that we had to stop going to islands, and now when I'm back, you can't go. What's funny is, true story, I just reached out to uh, my buddy who's the CEO of Apologetics.com per our conversation that you and I had. I'm having lunch with him tomorrow, and he texts me, and he goes, hey, let's meet at BJ's. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to BJ's, and I can't even have a beer. Come on, man. That's so rad. Are you serious? Oh, that's hilarious, man. Yeah. No, no beer, no, no beer for me. And the reason for that is uh, I'm off the sugar, and so since I'm off the sugar, I'm like, why am I gonna put the beer in at this point? So yeah, yeah, no sugar. When you say you're off the sugar, it hits me weird because you remember like in the old days that was like, hey baby, give some sugar. You know, it was like the Elvis. Uh, yes, you know, I'm you off know, that bed. sugar too, but that's not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what movie that's from, though, don't you? The uh, come on, baby, give me some sugar. Yeah, that's from uh, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead, or Army of Darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said you love me. I was just pillow talk, baby. <laughs> that was such a great movie. Oh my! Uh, the the one liners out of that movie are insane. Shop smart, shop S smart. <laughs> Ash hardware. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Listen up, you medieval heathen savages. This is my boomstick. (laughs) 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 The things we do to help out pastors. This oh my gosh. This this is the example of how we help. Okay, so if you ever wanted a really bad B movie that has great one liners, I mean Ash Ash vs. Evil Dead, they made a whole T V series out of it. Yeah, but you know what? I couldn't get into it. I, I like tried, but they again went and tried to make it like a serious horror movie, and I'm like, no, no. they didn't. Yeah, no. The first episode, I was like, I can't get into this. I'm I'm not into. Like, oh. What made that funny was they didn't take themselves seriously. So well, so it's really funny because the very first one was a very dark. I mean, okay, I, I'm not a huge horror fan guy. But, you know, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the church, so mom and dad weren't saying, no, you can't watch that. So we watched it. And 
I saw The Exorcist. Um, Walter Martin still to this, you know, well, I can't say to this day, but, um, you know, in, in the day he was, sorry, I keep burping. Um, till the day the he podcast. died? How about that? Till the day he died. Thank you. Thank there you. I was you. a little stuck by the burps. It was like a time warp I got stuck in, but... Um, he, again, he said again that was, pastor, quality show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Um, so he, uh, he said that was an accurate film. And, you know, by and, by and far, it was definitely the scariest film anyone had ever seen, I think, up to that point. And, um, and then I saw Evil Dead, and it was like having six or seven Linda Blairs running around. I mean, that, that movie scared the pants off me, the first one. And then the Never second one... Never thought. Second, like there was a funny scene in there, but it was accidentally funny. Like they didn't mean it to be funny. And the story is <clears throat> when it played in the theater, people laughed at this one part. And the director went, huh, wonder if I could get away with doing funny and scary things at the same time. So the second one, which he is experiments. I saw that yeah. one first, Evil Dead yeah. 2. Yeah. So second one, he, you know, I, I won't go into it because still creeps me out but he's got some really funny stuff including the ending which is funny you watch that and it's just super funny right i mean you know what i'm talking about i actually don't remember the ending it's when um when he gets um thrown and sucked uh and that's how it ends is he him going through the air oh and um when he goes back in time or whatever and ends up where he he is for uh, right. Army of Darkness, yeah. Right, and you don't realize that's where he's going. He's going back in time, and you, you realize that in the third one. It opens up the same spot, kind of reshows it, and then all of a sudden like you realize he went through time. Like the book had summoned him. Baby, you got real <laughs> ugly. Ugly. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Hell to the king, baby. So... Uh, he, this is like dueling uh, evil, you know, uh, army of darkness quotes, you know, right, ding, ding, right. ding, 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 ding. And uh, so anyways, um, See, I love evil dead too. When he was running from the, the force and he ends up running in between the sets. And then he's <laughs> like, it had me at that. I was like, this is great, dude. He's like running in between sets or when he gets shot by, I think it was an arrow. And all of a sudden you see him like flying through the air and he's like, going through trees and he keeps going and going and going. Yeah. And then all of a sudden yeah. he drops to the ground and then it shows he's only gone like five feet. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is great. I love this no, movie. No, it's great. So he, you know, and that, the, the first movie was not that. Right. I know, which is why I never saw it. I, everyone yeah. told me, yeah, they tried to make a real horror movie and then they made a funny one. I'm like, well, then let's watch the funny one. That's hilarious, man. Well, hey guys, welcome to Smack Talk. Um, we should did, probably get to our content because I know you got to leave in like twenty. No, I'm all right. I'm all oh, right. I got yeah, I got twenty five minutes. So yeah, okay. we probably should get into it. Huh? So this this is a really good topic. Our topic today. Wait, wait, wait! Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. All right, all right, all right. So. Today's topic is the five hardest things about church planning. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I didn't know if I was supposed to interact. Was I supposed to say something? So if you're new to the podcast, normally I don't just give the topic. I go into this this, long-winded... What what I really love about this title is it's not the five hardest things in church planning and how to overcome them. It's not... 
five really bad ooh, things, ooh. and here's the secret to get around it. It's, hey, I'm going to tell you five really bad things, period. No, no, no. I like your way better because, like, that's totally clickbaity, and now you made it more clickbaity. Let's make it clickbaity. <laughs> Dude, I'm all about the clickbait. Because I'm all about that bait, about that bait, oh, about that bait. No. no clicky. Come on. <laughs> you know that's going to be a sound bite. <laughs> She's going to be Peyton going, no clicky. <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, okay, so the five hardest things about church planning, and we're going to uh, go in reverse order, starting with number five. Just picture me like Jimmy Carson. We've got, uh, or Johnny Carson, got the envelope, you know, number five. Or Family Feud Survey says, friendly fire. Friendly fire. People that uh, you... Oh, that was the actual thing. Okay, that I'm was sorry. It. I didn't yeah, understand. Yeah, no, that was it, number five. Ding. Oh, okay. okay, so friendly fire. That's really hard to deal with because... Um, you start off and you're real tight. This is a mistake going in backwards order. This would be way better if it was the last thing I talked about. But uh, so, okay, so forget that. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Only professional podcasting here. I tried something, it didn't work. Hey, so, uh, the way Mr. to Jones, overcome it. Mr. Jones, could you please tell us what's the number one hardest thing in church planning that pastors need <laughs> thank, to be aware of? Thank you for saving me because uh, the lesson there, folks, is you adjust and maneuver. If it doesn't work, just adjust and maneuver. I will make you a master church planner. So if all you get from this podcast is that today, you're good. So the number one hardest thing is lack of funds. Mm. You know, when the money runs out, the church planner often is done. And I think, Pete, that comes from, you know, really, uh, if, if you haven't effectively reached people, and let's say you have, let's be honest, you reach people, they come to the faith, they come in. You can't like hold them by gunpoint and say, look, man, you said you were going to follow Jesus. Where's your money? You know, Tozer said the last part to get converted uh, of, of any, any man is the pocketbook. It's the last part to come to Jesus. So uh, no matter what, uh, church planners and money, like Michael Cheshire said, hard to get them in the same room. A lack of funds is hard, and especially if you're bivocational, and, you know, you're not set apart full-time. You're probably not having all the conversations you need to have. And uh, so lack of funds, because I think most people, the reason it, it's harder, and because I, I would say, Pete, on one hand, it's not hard at all. Uh, but, but on another hand, it is hard. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk about why I think it's hard for most people <clears throat> and why it's not hard for me. So number one, lack of funds. This is um, going to actually be a five-part series, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're only going to get to this one. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, so the, the reason I think most people it's, it's hard is they look at like, let's say like Nam gives them money. You know, Nam gives them, they used to give like two grand a month. If you're reproducing, it was three. Don't get your hopes up because my understanding, and I could be wrong on this, is that you get a thousand now. Like that's, that's what you get, you know? Um, maybe special consideration, you get more, but don't quote me on that. But um, let's say it's a thousand bucks. That's not that much. Let's say it was two grand. Let's say it was three grand. That's that's enough to you know maybe supplement some of what you got going on, and maybe even put you in a part time. And maybe you go work as a barista part time, and and the rest of that you're devoting to the church. But eventually, that funding's only going to be there for a, a small amount of time. 
And often what'll happen is um, the church planter will stop getting that. And, and by the way, often that money goes to the planter to pay his bills. It doesn't get poured back into the church. And I always kind of think it's always dangerous. And Pete, this is kind of where um, you uh, maybe are um, really valuable on you know business startups. Because my understanding is you know you got to be careful how much money you take out of something when you're starting it up. Well, yeah, that's just because you need the money in it. But that's not just when you're starting it up. <laughs> that's the whole life of the business. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, a, a lot of guys have never been in there. And they're not thinking like, huh, if Nam's giving me two grand, maybe I keep one grand of that and pour the other grand into outreach or pour the other grand into, um, gosh, we really need... Uh, someone to help run Sunday school, or we really need, um, you know, whatever it is, you know. Um, so, so I would say that a lot of times, what happens is the guys are going into it thinking of their finances, their support. And you and I have talked about this before that marrying your financial viability with the churches is almost suicide. Right. And so, for me, when I first start up any church, I don't get paid from that church in the first year, um, at least. And uh, unless I've made out, like when, when I planted out from the mothership, I was able to slightly change that a bit. And I was able to um, work out, you know, because I had the mothership right there. I was able to say, well, here, here's what I'd like, you know, let me know, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, but I've always had another job. So what I'll do when I'm planning a church is I will make sure I am completely self-sufficient off of that church so that if I don't need that money, the church still goes on. If the church needs that money, the church can have that money. And, um, and, and you know, because you were the treasurer for, for a bit, um, you, you, in a church like Refuge Long Beach, you, you have to be fluid with your finances. Very. Yeah, you got to be prepared for anything. And that's the reason why uh, Refuge, at least, you know, would meet in the park because $25 a month or not a month, a week for that permit was a lot cheaper than, you know, whatever it was, $350, to rent the, the building. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was another thing is just being kind of strategic. You know, there's a couple times we looked at our bank account and went, hey, you know what? Let's meet. Let's save some money. Let's, let's build a nest egg or let's... Uh, you know, whatever. We were supporting missionaries from day one. And kind of one of my rules was always, we don't cut the missionaries. You know, we keep those. And then if we do that, um, we continue to uh, to adjust other things. And that was kind of what we did. So second one is connected to this, and that is the BIVO balance. Um, and Pete, you you know, I mean, we've, we've talked with a, a bunch of people over the years of BIVO Inner Circle. And um, it, it's been kind of like, you know, fight club for um, bivocational planners, right? They come in there and it's like, you don't talk about fight club, like like all the struggles, the, the, the issues with marriage and relationships and kids. And At least you don't have any trains in your neighborhood. Uh, trains going through your yard, I mean, you know, but uh, there's, there's tons of issues. Like the, I would say that the hardest thing for that... Um, is trying to get the balance right. And that was one of the things that we, we spoke a lot into that over the, the couple of years that we did um, yep. Bible Inner Circle. Yep. What were some, some things that you felt 
um, speaking into that issue that, that our guys really learned or things they struggle with? Well, you'd have to ask them what they learned um, and to a degree what they struggled with. Because some of that stuff, as we said, you know, what's, what happened in the Bivo Inner Circle stays in the Bivo Inner Circle. But what I will say is uh, seeing the opinions of pastors and how they like to tell everyone their opinion. And mm. I think the greatest shame is that uh, pastors got to take a side job. Like they literally were seeing it as it's shameful. So imagine you're the pastor at a church that can't get his full support from the church, or if he is getting something, I mean, he's living in the poorhouse. if that's all he's getting. And you got all these other pastors out there, like basically saying, oh, I think it's shameful if you got to go get another job. It's basically saying, well, if you were a better pastor, you'd be able to make a living mm. off of this. And I just, to me, that just bothered me. Like you literally can't see the benefit at all in being bivocational. Every single person, the, the pastors, uh, even people uh, who were elders in their church who would comment on my Facebook posts and stuff, they none of them saw the value in being bivocational. They all saw mm. it as a shame. And I was just like, man, that's just jacked up. That's totally jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. I um, I actually think so many of our our, our guys, you know, they, they didn't... Um, you know, they, they, they had never been maybe in a team leadership before. And that was always a thing that, that I would try to coach them on is guys, if you're not part of a team, good luck with that Bible thing, right? Like that's those two, you know, those two are made for each other. I mean, you know, you're, you're if you, if you only have a small percentage of yourself left over, um, then you're going to be like, one-fifth of a minister available to your church. Maybe, maybe churches don't thrive or grow with one-fifth of a, of a minister any more than your family would with one-fifth of you. But if you had a team just, just so <laughs> you know, Just so you know, I'm, I'm trying to lose one-fifth of me. <laughs> you know, I've had that on my team, too, where I'm like, we need to lose that guy. No, I, I get what you're saying. And, and really, what I'm talking about is becoming the mighty Voltron. You know, like you, you and yeah. you and four others. You know, yeah. um, you become the A team. You know, and uh, and so the bivo balance. You know, if you've got like this group going and that group, maybe you don't lead that every night because you got a team. You know, maybe your 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 cogs. You know, you, you there's five of you, but you got three cogs. Maybe you rotate. Give yourself some time off. You know, maybe sometimes you don't go. You know, I know that's like unheard of, right? Because we're all about commitment, but sometimes the best sermon you can ever give is, "Hey, you know what, you guys? I'm I'm so and so's leading tonight because I haven't seen my family for a while, and I got school things on this night and that night. This is the one open night I have, so uh, bivo balance is important. Number three, and this this was something, Pete, that um, as we uh, have been doing this podcast over the years. I mean, it's it's going up to seven years now. This is something that I really realized was our podcast has morphed all over the place um, where I would say for, for gosh, maybe like two years, we didn't talk a lot about church planting because the feedback we kept getting from everybody was, hey, 
I don't know how to do a wedding. Hey, I don't know how to do a funeral. Hey, what do I do when, um, like, how do I set up church finances? Um, and, and we realize, like, it, this is point three. The hardest thing about it is lack of training and or experience. Like, if your first church, and this is often the case, the first leadership, church leadership, um, where you've led the whole thing is a church plant, you have to learn everything really fast. It's kind of like, you know, graduating from high school or turning 16 when you can be legally hired and going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to become an entrepreneur right here. And you've never worked in a company before. You've never uh, done any kind of business before. You, you don't have any schooling for it. I mean, that'd be kind of hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, and, and the thing is, is I, I was wondering for you, Pete, if you were going to maybe go, well, some guys do do that. And well, some true. guys do do that. But I think usually the difference is, in my opinion, they grew up in a family where the parents were business owners. Yeah. Like there has yeah. to be something. Otherwise, it's too difficult. It's too backwards thinking. Like running right. a business is totally different than being an employee, and you just won't understand it until you run a business. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't know how someone could do that unless they came from that and saw it their whole life growing up. And the other thing too is like you work for something like Starbucks, or you know, you go get your job, and then you think, oh yeah, I could be the boss because you watch your manager. It's still, oh, yeah, that's not the same as owning your business. <laughs> You're right, actually. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I worked, it was in Wales. I worked with this guy named Tony. It was actually Barry Waters' dad. And I saw what he did, and I went, oh, okay. That, that's a whole different animal. I go home at night, and I don't think about this. He goes home at night, and that's all he thinks about, you yeah. know? And, uh, but the lack of training and or experience, because yeah, I don't know, man. Like we, We've covered everything from, like basically, if you go through the last six and a half years, it's almost like, a church planner seminary. You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of what our podcasts collectively are and smack talk. I think, I think <laughs> you should, uh, let's just, uh, let everyone know our new sponsor. It's uh, churchplannerseminary.com. That is a great dot com. domain name right there. That's all I'm saying. Churchplannerseminary.com. Because you, when your church plan, this this is the point I'm making, is we found we had to branch out on all these other topics because even if you were the youth pastor, you didn't know what to do when you were holding the whole thing or, um, you know, you didn't go to seminary. So you're like, dude, I don't understand what Calvinism is or I don't understand. You and I were talking about the Trinity today. And nobody really fully understands that. It's revealed and we accept it. But I And mean, my philosophy of, which you didn't comment on, but my philosophy is, even when we get to heaven, I don't think we're going to truly understand the Trinity. Oh, I miss that. I miss that. I'm just saying. I, I don't think, because we are created beings, we are always going to have this this yeah. slant, and we're not going to fully understand it. I think even when we get to heaven, we're not going to fully understand it. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's probably true. It's probably true. <clears throat> Number four. The second year, um, that, that is usually my number one when people ask me, but it, it, didn't, it didn't flow off See, the I, I think it's I think it's perfect that the birds started chirping when you talk about the second year because that's what everyone thinks. 
oh, it's beautiful now. It's the second year. Mm. The birds start chirping. And yeah, you've said before, that's the hardest year. Yeah, because you think, oh, man, I'm going to totally get through my first year. First year's when it's tough, man. Second year, we will hit our stride, and it's the opposite. In the first year, everybody's super excited. They're, they're rearing, rearing to go, man, throwing snowballs, ready to go. And then all of a sudden, the expectations that they had coming in, like, hey, man, how come, you know, we're not, like, saddleback yet, you know? Where's our Disney trams, man, taking people from the parking lot, you know? Um, I want my Disney trams. How come, uh, you know, we, 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 we're still meeting in this cruddy school, and, you know, and, and people's expectations just kind of start to diminish. Um, and when they don't diminish. They just they realize that their expectations were unrealistic. And I always tell people that, it's funny because what will happen in the second year is when people all of a sudden they had these delusions of grandeur and these dreams of great things. And hopefully you weren't like an army recruiter promising them, you know, you're going to be a fighter pilot. And then, you know, they're, they're working in some warehouse doing inventory. Right. Um, but her air force recruiter, but you know, the reality is that the second year, um, people realize it's really hard work and then they go back to, um, you know, kind of like, I, I just want to sit. And I this is really hard work. I didn't sign up for this. I, I wanted to build this great thing that did things the way I wanted them to do it. And, you know, you can't say that. Like, you, you can't, the human psyche is not capable of looking at the pastor and saying, hey, I'm kind of shallow. I mean, really, I'm like everyone else. But, you know, the shallow way human beings think is this isn't very exciting. And I signed up because I thought this is going to be exciting, be all the answers to my problems. You know what? It wasn't. But instead of looking deeper or even kind of looking to God or maybe questioning my own spiritual condition, I think I'm going to find fault with you. I think what I'm going to do is is find fault with, with the church. You know, the church isn't loving or I don't really like the teaching here. And those things may be true, but that's not the real reason that you're going. I mean, when you when you were excited, you signed up for hard knocks. But over, you know what? I will actually say the one person I have met who was like, "Hey, there's no air conditioning here. I'm out." <laughs> was Pete? <laughs> but I'm not a church planner. Yeah. Well, that's and that's what I was going to say is you were never supposed to be there as long as you were, and I was grateful for every minute of it. I was on my way out anyways. You were I, I'm already pretty gone. sure. You were hey, already gone. I was already gone, and I'm pretty sure if I'd stayed there, one of two things would have happened. Um, you would have gotten either air we conditioning. Would've, we would have either gotten air conditioning, <laughs> put a ton of fat. Like, we would have done something, because I, 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 I couldn't bear to watch Pete suffer. But, I mean, it's very oh, rare. it wasn't what just I'm me, man. I'm telling you, I do, <sighs> that was the most miserable. We should, I don't know why they didn't move it outside. Like, just outside. We did church in the park. For like I know. so long, but now we got to suffer through what for why? It never made well, sense they went, to me. Well, they went into the park all, all summer last summer because I met Did with they? them and I say, hey, here's, here's what I do. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and it, it, you're right. I mean, you're sitting under a shade tree and you're good, man. It's AC. God's yeah, AC. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, man. So the second year, and I, I always tell planners that are in the second year, don't give up. That is the trajectory that most planners give up during the second year. Um, and it, and it, there's various factors for it. Maybe that's when the money ran out. I mean, 
all the things we've talked about, but I always tell people, hold on. Most statistically, most church planners give up in the second year. Don't give up in the second year. Keep going. Hang till the third year. You know, I'm going to this old church plant right now. It's a little um, uh, Nazarene church plant. And, uh, you know, they, they don't drink beer, so I can't join their leadership. But they're awesome people. And the DNA of the church is super rad. And I'm like, I told the guy, I said, your church is going to grow. You know, they're, they're in the third year right now. And I'm like, dude. And they went through a really tough time in the second year. And uh, I was like, dude, you, you made it. You've already broken the stereotype. You've, you've surpassed the trajectory. So the last one was friendly fire. And um, that's kind of connected to what I was talking about. That's why it flowed better if it was number five. Um, when, when people that you loved and you traveled with, and, and, and more often than not, what it is is, you know, maybe you're serving with someone and they, they just for whatever reason, something in their life changes and they decide, no, I'm going to move to, to Boston or I'm going to, I'm going to take this job, you know, an hour away or I'm going to, and that's okay. Um, but friendly fire, they, that, that's a common thing is pe- church planners often feel abandoned because they're like, I'm called to this. And you were coming with me, but you're apparently not called to this because I'm on my own here. All you know, like Paul said, everyone has fled me, all forsook me, um, which is what Pete was feeling after I left. But you know, the the whole idea that um, I'm here, but but friendly fire is when it gets really tough. Like it's one thing to feel abandoned; it's another thing to feel attacked. And very few people know the sacrifices that you as a church planner are making. You know, we're talking about money. When the church doesn't have enough money to cover something, you, you church planners know. Often it's you reach into your pocket and you pay for it. You know, or someone on your leadership team reaches down in their pocket and pays for it. No one ever knows what's happened. People don't know, you know, the calls that you've made, the visits you've made, the, the you know, the, the marriage counseling that you've stayed up all night with a couple trying to hold their marriage together with them. And people don't know that kind of stuff. You know, you're called into crisis and you've been there with people and you, you think, man, you know, the, the people are saying, I, I, we never could have survived this without you. And then, you know, one minute they're shouting, you know, Hosanna. And a couple of days later, they're shouting, give us Barabbas. And it hurts. Mm. You know, yeah, and um, I I don't think it's accidental that Jesus, you know, that part of his narrative is the Judas story. That you know, Judas, you know, he feels like you know this is my close friend, and David writes about that, and and Jesus in ministry knew that, and it's hard, but I would say to you guys, go to him in those times, you know, and if at all possible, you know, save the friendship. The ministry is never going to be as important as your friendship. And that's, you know, that's what I have to say about that, as Forrest Gump says. So, hey, I did it. <laughs> Looking at the clock. I got one minute to spare, well, baby. So to great. sum up. So so let me ask you this. Uh, what would make life a little bit easier for pastors? Oh, well, you know, um, let's say lack of funds is not a problem. You have the funds. But with that Bible balance and the lack of training experience on how to manage it, and you're in your second year, and after all, you're losing your volunteers, and you're busy putting out all that friendly fire, what you could use is SimplifiedChurch.com. What? They'll help you deal with all... That's right, Pete. SimplifiedChurch.com. They'll help you deal with all your bookkeeping needs, your IRS compliance, and anything else you need. 
No, if you need a sim- robot assistant, they'll mail you one. That, that was simplifychurch.net? <laughs> simplifychurch.org? No. Simplifychurch.com. Dot com. Gotcha. Dot com. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, hey, guys. Thanks for listening today. We appreciate you coming on this journey with us. And I got to go. Uh, so you can do our tagline or are we I will, not I will, doing that I will. anymore? I will. No, no, I do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I forgot. I lost myself. All right. Come here. Repeat after me. If you want to reach. Nope. She's not going to do it. If you want to reach. If you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and then repeat after me. Do what nobody's doing. Do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church